lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in Los Angeles. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. So as we move from Parsha Bereshis into Parsha Noach, and by the way, I don't necessarily plan to speak about the Parsha each week, but we're in such big Parshas. There's so much going on. There's so much to talk about that I really feel I must, I must and I want to talk about it. So basically, as we move from Parsha Bereshis into Parsha Noach, a question that comes to my mind is the Torah just spent so much time detailing the fact that God created the world and animal life and man and all living things. And then very soon after, in, in the very next Parsha, God decides to destroy most of life and start over. So the question is why? And I want to take a look at this. I want to see what the flood accomplished and see what we can learn about preventing our own <laughs> modern day flood, so to speak. So in Noah's generation, there was a lot of idol worship, but ultimately the Torah tells us that it was the sins of man versus man, man against man, that led God to bring the flood. And it was really the sins of sexual immorality and theft. So what's going on here? Why did these sins lead to the flood? So I used to be a pretty hardcore environmentalist. Um, I composted, I went vegan, I went to protests, I ran an environmental paper on campus in college, and I didn't really grow up with any sort of environmental ethic. But in college, I became very passionate about climate change and sustainability. So I decided to go to law school to work on these issues. And I went to Penn. Um, They had offered a joint degree in a master's of environmental studies and a law degree. I could do it in three years. It was very interdisciplinary. So I was very excited. And while I was there, I worked very hard. I was very focused, but I began to become a little um, more and more disappointed because as I studied more, I realized how complex these issues actually were. And it was during this time that one of my rabbis from Israel was visiting Penn's campus and we met. I remember we met at Hillel, and when I was telling him what I was working on, he said to me, so you're really working on the Band-Aid instead of the root cause? And I said, excuse me? <laughs> this is the root cause. Like climate change, sustainability issues, these are the most pressing issues facing humanity today. Um, that was my response. You know, I, I didn't even understand. I thought for sure I was addressing the root cause of, of society's biggest problem. And he said, the root of climate change is the spiritual destruction or the moral breakdown of humanity, which is being reflected in the breakdown of the physical world. This was a big aha moment for me, and it was really a lot for me to digest. But basically, I realized that Judaism believes that all of life is tied into the earth system on both a physical and a spiritual level. So when there's an ethical and a moral breakdown in humans, nature, the environment, including humans, and you know all of life begin to break down as well. So getting back to Noah, Noah lived in a generation of corruption or hashkata, which in Hebrew is the same word for destruction. So the fact that the word corruption and destruction are the same, they share the same root, indicates that the root of destruction is an overriding corruption in society. So this was true in Noah's day and it's true today. 
Noah's society didn't have the Torah, but their corruption ran so deep that there was no basic civilization anymore. So what did the flood accomplish? The Torah tells us that the flood reverted the world to the initial state of creation in which the earth was physically submerged under water and spiritually submerged in divine awareness. So water represents purity, spiritual life-giving force, divine awareness. And I heard an amazing idea from a rabbi in Israel once that what was the only animal not destroyed in the flood, you know, besides the ones that were saved in the ark? The fish. They were the only animals not on the ark that were not destroyed in the flood because they were so immersed in water, which represents Hashem's presence, that they could not sin. Whereas land, the Torah says, represents the false notion that the world exists independent of God. Hence, the land animals and humans had sinned. So today, we have the mitzvot, which we're supposed to observe, and it's the spiritual system that keeps our physical world running. And the Zohar, the foundational work of Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah, explains this. He says that when men are righteous and observe the commands of the Torah, the earth is invigorated and filled with joy and the divine presence rests on the earth. But he says when men corrupt their ways and do not observe the commandments of the Torah, then they thrush the Shekhinah, the divine presence, out of the world and the earth is left in a corrupt state. So you might be thinking, what about non-Jews? You know, what's their place in this? So the non-Jews have the Nochide laws or the seven laws of Noah, which prohibit murder, theft, blasphemy, idolatry, sexual immorality, eating flesh from an animal that is still alive. <laughs> Although having been a vegetarian and a vegan, I can't understand why anyone would want to do that. And establishments of courts of law. So basically the Nochide laws are the foundations of Western civilization as we know it today. So when Hashem saw that civilization prior to the flood had been corrupted at its core, he wiped it out, save for Noah and his family who were righteous and who were moral and who ultimately were going to be the new forefathers of the Jewish people and all of humanity. So after the flood, Hashem promised that he would not destroy the world again. But a key point is that we still have free will. So it doesn't mean we won't destroy our own world. And this is what environmentalists fear, and this was my greatest fear for a long time. Now, the Torah does believe in in a Messiah, a Mashiach, which is an ultimately positive end to human history. But the Torah tells us that we decide whether we're going to get there in a positive way or in a really negative, degraded way, which includes environmental degradation, which is what we're seeing now. Applying all of this to today, I really feel that the foundations of civilization as we know it are eroding. We see an increase in murder, in theft. I mean, think about the looting that we saw only a few months back. Sexual immorality, idolatry, which is really people worshiping themselves and other powers besides God. And we may think, hopefully, if you're listening to this, all of these acts sound, you know, pretty foreign to you. I mean, most of us hopefully wouldn't commit murder or, or steal. But it's very interesting because all of us may be inclined to commit these sins on a smaller scale. For instance, Lashon Hara, gossip, is called murder because it's we're killing somebody's reputation in another's eyes. Or theft, we can steal somebody's time. Idolatry, we can put our own physical desires over doing the right thing. We really have an amazing opportunity to ensure that our society doesn't go down the same route as Noah's by upholding the Torah and, fulfilling our, and filling our moments with God consciousness as best as we can. Okay, And we know that now that this is the root of sustaining the world on a physical level. I took a course in law school called the law of human survival. And the teacher, the premise of the course basically was that we were committing mass suicide as a species, mainly in terms of our relationship to the environment. 
And the teacher suggested that we should have less kids or maybe some people should have no kids in order to um, preserve the human race, which kind of seems a little bit backward (laughs) when you think about it. But because of their impact on the earth, he argued, we should have less kids. So I fought against this very hard. And I I explained, and I'm going to say here, that the Jewish perspective is that God willing, we will have children who will do mitzvot, who will bring God consciousness into the world. This is why we are created as humans. This And as Jews specifically, this is the purpose of the world. So having less kids won't save a morally decaying world. Having more kids who are upright moral people will. So of course, you know, it's great to recycle and, you know, conserve electricity and be mindful of our, you know, ecological footprint, as it were, our, our impact on the environment. But the root of sustaining the physical world is our moral choices. And again, we have opportunities to choose morality all day long. And we know if we're making the correct moral choices because we have the Torah, which is the ultimate moral code. And Judaism does believe in an objective morality. So the Torah outlines how to have a proper relationship with ourselves and with others and with God. And, you know, just focusing on our relationship with fellow man, because these were really the sins that brought the flood. You know, we can go out of our way to spend time with a lonely friend. We can check in on a relative. We can give someone the benefit of the doubt. We can hold back from speaking badly about somebody who upset us. There's countless, countless of examples of ways that we can we can act good and, and choose the right thing. And a point that I just want to make is we shouldn't get down on ourselves about what we don't do or if we mess up, but instead realize that each moment is a new opportunity to elevate, to connect to Hashem. Um, every moment is a new opportunity. So in sum, we are living in a world where the foundations of civilization are eroding, which also happened in Noah's time prior to the flood. And we can stop the world from falling apart by choosing to do good, as outlined in the Torah. And when we uphold morality, it sustains the physical world as we know it. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to learn again with you soon. Take care. Shabbat shalom.